This episode of Back to Work is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. Sign up by June 30th and use the coupon code BACKTOWORK6, that's back to work, one word, and the numeral six, and you'll get 30% off your first three months with Squarespace. Learn more at squarespace.com slash backtowork. We want to thank Squarespace very much for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. So last time we talked about starting things. Yeah, we want to start the show? Yeah, let's start it up. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good week. Good week here. Good week. Good, good, good week. I've been reading a lot. And uh, I've been talking, I talked to you on the phone like four times this week. Yeah, we talked a lot. I? A lot more than usual, which is good. I see it as good. Do you? I, I like talking to you on the phone. You get in a little mood sometimes on the phone. You get, a little, you get a little like a clown sometimes on the phone, but I like that. A clown? Like, People don't you get mean that. like I'm People here don't to get amuse that. you? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, get your shine box. I'm, th- I'm just saying, you're like grubby. If you, people hear you on the air and they think you're one kind of person, they get you on the phone and suddenly you're freaking Clarabelle. It's funny. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, we talked about starting. Well, the reason I put up all that Fruity Buddhist stuff um, is, uh, and I think I, I, we should at some point allow you to correct me on everything I'm getting wrong about Buddhism according, according to your, your special Thai school. But uh, what, what I liked in that Alan Watts thing I posted that I think I'm, I'm probably phrasing poorly is he, he has that bit in there about uh, desire and, not, and, and the obvious built-in problem of trying to eliminate, feel free to correct me, Van Hoot, but like that you're, you're trying to eliminate desire to the extent possible. What I like the way, I like that middle way idea. I, I was really intrigued by that. I've heard that phrase before. And he actually used it as an adjective, something that is middle-weighed. Just that notion that um, you don't want to want to you don't wouldn't want to conduct yourself in a way where you're trying to distinguish extinguish desire so much that then that becomes your most overriding desire. And you took me to task a little bit on that, but I thought that was an interesting follow-up to the getting started stuff because I, I, you know what I really want to talk about maybe is is the whole like zero and one problem. The whole like black and white, the whole you're either this all the time or you're that all the time. And once you get it wrong, you can't be that again. Because that's what attracted me in that very long quote that I sent you. And we should probably provide some context at this point. But I'll talk about whatever you want. It's your show, Dan Benjamin. I think we keep going down the same path. This is a good one. Like like I said to those guys in New York, you're the the, uh, organ grinder. I'm just the monkey. That's all right. I'm like the assistant monkey. The New York guy. I'm assistant assistant to the regional monkey. Josh. The New York guy. We're going to start referring to all of our sponsors by the city they're located. Yeah, I like that. Like I was saying to Poughkeepsie. <laughs> good week? It's been a pretty oh, good you week. Know, you know it hasn't been a good week, Dan Benjamin. You've had a terrible week. All no, your weeks been, are terrible. It's been pretty good. God, someday, someday it's all going to come out and people are just going to be like... I'll never, never talk about this. I did. They're going to find out. This. You're going to be like, it's going to be fun. like finding out Bruce Jenner didn't have legs. What do they, need, what do they need to know for? I don't need to I trouble I swear them. to God. They don't, I they don't tune in to hear that. You go back, you pull out, you pull out your Betamax, you watch Bruce Jenner doing his victory lap with that fruity little flag, you'll see he actually literally had no legs. And you're going to go, oh my God, no wonder I like those Wheaties. <laughs> I don't know. It's your show. What do you want to talk about? We got some interesting... You... Go ahead, Colin. Go, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, for first time, um, <clears throat> first timer. Why don't you... Uh, and I'll pull this up too. We can go. We, we opened up comments and preview for this so people could give suggestions. I suggested we talk about more fruity Buddhist stuff, but I'm not persuaded that's necessarily a good idea. It's clear that people want to talk about books. So we could go a book club angle of either A, we just sit and spew about books, or B, we could have a, an Oprah style, let's go, we'd actually read it though instead of pretend to read it. We could actually read books each week and then come back and talk about them. I think that would be an interesting idea. I too. love that idea. 
That's yeah. a lot of, you know, it's a lot of homework. The, the downside for that is it's a lot of homework for people who maybe aren't interested in that additional task. And then if they don't read the book, they feel left out. So we'd have to, would it be the whole show? I don't know. You know that David Sparks, when you guys, when you guys get to five by bond, he plays it at double speed. Did you know that? Oh God. Do you, does David, I don't know David Sparks doesn't listen to podcasts, but I'm telling you, if you are listening, someone tell David Sparks that breaks Dan's heart when he does that. He said it. He said it. He says he'd be the bond stuff. Mm. I would, I would rather people not listen at all than listen at double speed. Yeah. I would, I I mean, as as awful as that sounds, I know what that means. I really get it, but that's how I feel. I agree. No, I, I agree. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's why I have, one of the reasons I have the terrible reputation I have is like when somebody (laughs) on Twitter goes, is it it just me? Nobody understand what Merlin's talking about. Even though I've, I've literally never said anything on Twitter that you couldn't Google and find on the first page. Setting that aside for a minute. And the minute I start posting stuff that everybody understands, I know it's time to close things down. And I think if you have a book club and worry about whether people will read books, I think you may fundamentally misunderstand why you would have a book club. We're trying to reach the people who read. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, or pretend to read. I, my friend, uh, I had a friend whose mom uh, was really, really, really into Oprah's uh, book club. Oprah's lady that used to be on TV. And uh, every single time... She's out of Chicago? A, hmm? I don't think she's a sponsor. No, she, nope. she coming in. Oh, we can't say where they're from unless they sponsor. Well, you know, I'm open. I, you call that on spec is what you call it. Now, she was the one in the color purple with the, the one that played the, uh, the octopus in, in uh, Toy Story 3, right? That was, I think that's who you're thinking of. Did she play that? <sighs> Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg was the uh, octopus. I think you're thinking of the octopus in 10,000 leagues, 20,000 leagues under the sea. I think you're thinking of that James Bond movie, Octopussy. Oct- oh. Octagon? That's Chuck Norris, right? I think you're thinking of uh, Bette Midler. Yeah, as far as octopus. She used to play in whorehouses with Barry Manilow. He was the one on piano. I thought it was Chevy Chase who played piano in Three Amigos. Nope. Uh, he played drums in Steely Dan, where my wife went to college, Bard. Are you reeling in the ears? I am. That's a true story, Dan Benjamin. Chevy Chase, supposedly the first drummer. Now, here we go. Here comes Van Hoot. So, technically, that was Grasshopper Lil, the uh, 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 predecessor to... Uh, I wonder if he files it under Dan or Steely. So here's the Dan, misconception. Dan, 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 comma Steely. Here's a misconception about the whole desire thing because people, this is one of the things that you struggle with, I think, as a, somebody who's st- coming to Buddhism, studying it as a philosophy or whatever. It seemed, and I'm not not to imply that Alan Watts was new to it or misunderstood it or anything. You're calling I, him a drunk is what you're calling him a drunk. I you? like his point, and I would like for for you to elaborate more on what you said to me on the phone the other day, which is that he he died because he drank too much. But ha- hang on to that thought for a second, and that is that the the concept if you're if you're sort of getting started in Buddhism or reading about it is well if if you're you're supposed to not desire anything. Uh, because desiring leads to clinging, which leads to suffering. So this is the way out, right? Uh, don't desire anything. I really want to not desire anything. I want that more than anything. Does not want anything, and that doesn't really make sense. And what the the, the further explanation, the deeper explanation, and, and that does. I mean, that line of thinking is kind of crazy. But the, the deeper explanation for that is that there are certain things that that if without getting into the whole conversation of what a fabrication is, um, a f- the deeper side of it, uh, in Buddhist terms, a fabrication is pretty much everything that we deal with on a daily basis. It, it's, it's something that's a construct, whether it's a thought construct or a, a real construct. But uh, the path itself, that is the path of Buddhism, the Dhamma, the Dharma, uh, 
going from Pali to Sanskrit is to say that the, the teachings themselves, the path to enlightenment, the escape from suffering and the cycle of samsara, rebirth, is achieved through the elimination of uh, suffering entry into nirvana. Uh, so how do you get there? And you get there through well, this, this path. And this path involves, of course, you've got to end clinging and, and desire, and that's there. But how do you get there? Well, the, the path itself is a fabrication. The path itself is something that's constructed. The path itself is something that is, uh, is a, a construct. It's something that's created. Is it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, a red herring or a MacGuffin in some ways, right? In some ways it is because the, the, the goal is not to be clinging to that path, not to desire Right. Uh, having no desire, but it, it, there's actually constructive and wise wisdom is a, is a big word in Buddhism. There's a wise way or a right way, uh, the same way that there's a right tool for the right job. There's a right way to desire, and there's a right thing to desire. And if you do it in a skillful way, uh, you can actually wind up casting aside that fabricated path when you finally make it across the river. So that's sort of the deeper uh, explanation. The Buddhists yeah. out there, they're like, yeah, of course, this is like basic stuff. But for people who are new to it, uh, the, it it's kind of confusing. And then, of course, there's the question of, well, if Buddhists believe in, in rebirth and that there's the concept of not-self, what is it that gets reborn? To which the Buddha said to ask a better question. Mm-hmm. Um, what I said on, not, on the, after the call in that email, well... I'm just I'm, as I'm sitting here and, and thinking, and you, you, what you're saying is is as sensible as it can be to me as a lay person, which I think is the problem. Like what you're saying makes sense, and I, I intellectually understand what you're talking about. And the example I used in that email with you, and you can tell me whether this makes sense or not. But uh, I think I did a podcast about this one time. But I, I, I this this keys so much. The reason one reason this interests me for this program, our visits, is that this keys very heavily to an ongoing theme in everything we talk about, which is, you know, this ineffable mix of saying, well, yeah, you need the notebook to write, but <laughs> you, can't exactly. just, you can't just think about notebooks. Making, becoming a notebook expert is not the same thing as being even a beginning writer. And if you think that learning about just notebooks is making you a better writer, it's actually, I don't want to say it's making you a worse writer, it's making you an unwriter. In some ways, which sounds like I'm, I'm being a jerk, right? And in the same way that that commenter, the very intelligent commenter on the page, and now you, you're saying, don't become so attached to the path that that becomes its own kind of attachment. And the, the metaphor that I've used, and you can tell me if this makes, or analogy that you can tell me if this makes sense to you, but I, I think of it as being uh, a, you know, a, a glass of water. And um, but the glass of water to me is an analogy for so many great things. I mean, to me, I used to use that analogy in project management and say, you know, well, this is the glass that we keep our water in. Like the water could go everywhere, but we need this glass. The water is really the important part, but without the glass, we just have water everywhere. That's, that's what project management is. But also in terms of anything you want to get better at, whether that's you know, becoming less attached or having less desire or writing more or whatever, um, you need that glass. And you need the right glass to hold the water. But if you get to a certain point, you start realizing it's really about the water and not the glass. As I've also said, um, at a certain point, you really want to think more about enjoying your coffee rather than thinking which of your artisanal coffee makers you're going to make it in. Right? Uh, you know, and this is true for, if, think about anything you're really good at. If, you know, think about anything where you're so good at it, you don't even realize you're good at it. And that could be like tying your shoes. Or it could be, 
um, I don't know, like uh, writing an email or whatever it is, something that you do, you're probably not as good as you think. But like, you know, you don't really, you don't need people who are, who are really good at tying their shoes, people who've reached the age of say six, seven, eight, like they don't need a poster every time that they tie their shoes. This is, I'm not saying this in a condescending way. I'm just trying to provide a really a, a salient uh, example. Um, there's a time where you're going to need a trick in, that involves rabbits and holes in order to have an analogy for how to tie your shoes. At a certain point, you don't need to just, to, you may mentally say to yourself through your entire life, you know, if you're going to tie a bowline, bowline, as you say outside the naval world, if you're going to tie a bowline, you have to do the whole <laughs> thing about the thing going around the tree and coming through the hole. And you might always do that. But if you make enough of those, you're not going to think about the rabbit anymore. When you tie your shoes, you're not going to think about that anymore. I'm not sure if that's a perfect analogy. But I think once you achieve a, a middling level of expertise with anything, you you can't help but stop noticing the glass and focusing on the water. And you realize, you know what? Any clean glass will do for drinking water. Like if you got water, we're good to go. I don't need to have my special glass. There's, there's not a certain room I need to go in with my pull-up, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever suffered from that, Dan, but sometimes you need a special room and you need privacy. I yeah. don't know if you know. You're going you to have a book with you, maybe sure. some toys. Maybe go look out the window. <laughs> we have a window. You got to put a fan on, though. <laughs> um... <laughs> So uh, you can tell me whether that analogy makes sense. I think for our listeners, whether or not they're interested in Buddhism, I will stand by that analogy as a not bad way to think about all of this Merlin yelling. I think it's a great way. No, it's a great way. And and, and in your path, for example, I think in the same way that I I, I say to people, hey, you're not going to understand the running tips until you run. Part of what you're – and you said this the very first time we had one of our our man calls. I called it a man call um, about Buddhism. And you said if if you're not sitting, you're not doing Buddhism because the rest is just thinking. And thinking is is not what this is. This is is sitting down and observing, right? Right. That's my words. But that's why I've always – I have to be honest. It's your fault that I don't call myself a Buddhist because I'm so scared to. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a psychological <laughs> Buddhist. You know? But that was, that was one of the great Timothy Dalton ones, I think. Psych, psychological Buddhist who loved me. I don't know. I don't know, Dan. Now, so tell me how, that, how close that is. No, I think, it's, it, I think, it's, I think it works. I think it works. Um, I mean, you can, you can look at it a variety of different ways, but that makes sense to me. You know what I heard? Can I tell you what I heard? What? I heard, I heard when you're watching DirecTV, especially... Or, or something that involved, I don't know if this is true at all, but it's really interesting to me, that uh, when you change to a new channel, you get near the highest level of quality that they can provide, and then it very, very slowly becomes less high quality. Ask, ask your cues about this. I'm curious. We're, we're still off the air. But uh, I heard when um, <laughs> he told the owner of the show, <laughs> giving you notes, I heard, that, I heard that the longer you watch a show, the lower the quality gets. I believe that. Because, and you don't notice it. You know, it's like Syracuse is talking about the whole black, how black is this, changing the black of the background and all that kind of yeah. stuff. That, that, it, there's this thing to save bandwidth where they supposedly degrade the quality of the show as you watch it in a way that's mostly imperceptible, hmm. but saves them money on bandwidth. I don't know if that's true, but I think it's an interesting... You know who Syracuse reminds me of? I just, I, I, it's like been right, right in front of me this whole time, and I just didn't realize it. Hmm. Squidward from Spongebob. <laughs> how... How did we not see that? How did we never see it? Oh my God, it's there. I was I was typing to him. I was chatting with him, and he he and and my son is watching us uh, SpongeBob, right? And as he's typing these things to me, I'm hearing Squidward on TV. I'm it's him. No, I haven't finished those errands yet. It's totally him. It's totally him. him. Oh, that's good. I say we leave this in the show. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I'm just saying, I don't want to make work for Jim. I know he's busy. He's got a job. But I'm just saying it would not be that hard to throw just a tiny bit of a filter on there that would make it sound like he's holding his nose a little bit and was a squid. Oh, for, oh you mean on, on hypercritical, on the... But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like direct TV. At first, it's flawless. John would not notice. But very slowly, maybe on a logarithmic scale, by the end, he sounds exactly like Squidward. Have you finished those errands yet? Have you finished those errands yet? Have you finished those errands? Still the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Hmm. So you can call. I mean, I think it's okay if you want to call yourself a Buddhist. But because what's interesting is in other countries, in, in, in the West, in America especially, but in the West in general – People are usually when they 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 come to Buddhism because they want to meditate or they think meditation will help them and frequently it's relaxing. It's, it's relaxing. Frequently, <laughs> meditation will help people, so they start with meditation and then later they're like, "Wow, this meditation thing is is pretty good." I think. And what's behind it? What's going on? And, oh, I guess this is this Buddhist thing, and maybe I'll learn about that. That's actually the flip. That's flipped. That's reversed in most natively Buddhist countries. They actually are are learning like the teachings of Buddhism and the ethics part of Buddhism first, and and it, if you were to ask somebody over there who would consider themselves a Buddhist, you'd say, "Oh, do you meditate?" And they'd be, "Oh, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really ready to do that yet." They're still like mastering the ethics part of it. So we come to it almost like a, in a reversed way. So I'd mm-hmm. throw that out there. Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to change topics or or you know. Oh, please do. It's off. your show. Oh God, I'm sorry. You run this thing. You do whatever you want. Dan, I come in here. I write signs. I leave myself notes. I say, don't be angry. I do. I do. I'm not going to get a tattoo, you know. Uh, But, you know. How do you remember things if you don't get a tattoo? Yeah, like a a Tweety Bird or a little thrush, maybe. But then when you you forget everything. I'm thinking of getting the word, uh, you know, uh, German black letter. I'm thinking of getting uh, unemployable on my neck. What would you think of that? In in like that sort of gothic font? Black letter. Yeah, exactly. Like Frank Turr kind of. Yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome. Jan Sitchell wouldn't like that. Typography jokes. You know, uh, here's the thing, and this is what I like. So the, I would love to talk more about the Buddhism stuff. Not really. But uh, the thing that I, that I, and the reason I brought this to you, Dan, and the reason I think this is germane to the show, you tell me if you think this makes sense. And you can tell me if you think this is BS. But I don't know where I read this. There's these four or five Buddhist books I've read instead of sitting and being an actual Buddhist. And, and the one thing, the theme that I keep seeing in it, and I, I want to be clear about this. I'm not trying to say that this is a cop-out. I, you, you frame it that way for good reasons because it probably is a cop-out in some ways. But what I like about it is the escape from the Western notion of the zero and one. You know, I mean, in, uh, in Taoism, there is no zero. There's just the one. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, not that funny. But uh, <laughs> Taoist jokes, typography jokes, let me know when I'm hitting all the high points. You're I, there. I, I, You're already there. I'm going to get, get more than Sinatra tonight. You're on fire. Josh, I... Um, I, th- I, think, I think something that is really problematic in all of this. So why is starting hard? Why is restarting hard? Why is all this stuff hard? Well, I mean, let's set aside all this like you want to become a pro stuff. Let's just say you're just, a, just frustrated like I've been because I haven't quite gotten where I want to be with something that is theoretically extremely interesting to me. With a, not, let's set aside Buddhism for a minute and think about writing or whatever it is. And I said something um, I, 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 I was re-listening to. Was it the last show or the one before? But, and I, I said something that made more sense than usual – and it was that notion of the permanent zero and the permanent one. Okay, and this is one, personally, just on a personal note, personally, personally, I, I despise our obsession with hypocrisy. Like, I, I think hypocrisy is as bad as anybody else, I suppose. Like, when you see somebody who is, like, really feverishly anti-gay, 
as like a congressman and goes and like makes policies that harms the lives of people who aren't hurting anybody. And then they're, they're getting a Hummer in an airport like that, you know, is, is a kind of hypocrisy that's really harmful. I think the perception of being perceived or the feeling that you might be perceived as being hypocritical is so limiting to people. I really, really believe that. And, and it's partly because we all tacitly agree that once you haven't been 100% consistent about something, you don't even have the right to do it anymore, let alone claim it. It's why I'm walking around going, this is the single most important thought that informs my life on a thinking level is Buddhism. And yet I wouldn't dare call myself a Buddhist because that would be hypocritical, right? <laughs> uh, even though it's like something, it, it kind of defines a lot of how I see the world. It doesn't kind of, it defines a lot of how I understand relationships. But that's just one example. But, for, but, but specifically to the creative work or to the knowledge work stuff, I think we all feel so scrutinized by other people. And you've talked about this, Dan. You've talked about the self-editing that we do because we're afraid of what other people think of us, right? The, we talked about uh, – who's that guy? Who's the cross-dresser that did all the drugs? Richard? About, about how – about you know, all the concerns <laughs> that, he, that he might have of what this theoretical person in the world might think of him, right? And, and that, how that can be very self-editing. And I think that that's a really caustic culture to agree to. And, and you see it every day. I see it every day, certainly when I get called a hypocrite a couple dozen times a day. And increasingly, you know, it bugs me sometimes, but by and large, it just doesn't bug me like it used to. Because I, when you – I'm going somewhere with this, but I think that concern of hypocrisy keeps us small. It keeps our world small, it keeps our horizons limited, and it keeps our self-worth as low as it can conceivably go. Because we're defining ourselves in large part by what other people claim that we are. Whether or not that's what it is. When the truth is, we're all a goddamn mess. Every single one of us is completely all over the map. And the people who tend to obsess over that stuff the most, in my opinion, are people who probably should. And the people who obsess most about hypocrisy are the people who are least willing to change. They have the least room to change. If you set, your up as, set yourself up of this paragon, this Confucian paragon of perfection right? Then you have a lot to lose by being shown as anything but 100%. But like once you allow yourself to be imperfect in this weird, weird like whatever wabi-sabi way, like you're allowed to be like a broken piece of pottery and still be pretty. Your world gets a lot bigger. And that's why I keep coming back to this. If you step off the path, you can always step back onto the path. You don't have to apologize before you step off back on the path. You don't have to be perfect before you step back on the path. And I cannot get away from how much that keys to the notion of today. Right? I didn't write yesterday. Well, if I write today, I wrote. It doesn't mean I shouldn't write tomorrow or can't write tomorrow. Well, it doesn't matter. None of that, nothing matters but the today. I don't want to sound like some Eckhart Tolle goofball, but I'm just saying that's a real thing. Is it toll so, or tolly? I don't know. It, take, it takes a toll. It's just a <laughs> toll, tolly booth. I don't know. I try, Dan. I get these books. I get these books. Well, and somebody like, wrote, wrote us about writing, or maybe it was a comment that was there about yeah. continuing. But what's interesting, and I kind of feel like yeah. you're, you're, you're touching on this subject here a little bit, is that really every day you're starting, you're kind of starting over again. You're, you're making a decision to do something, and so continuing is really just the act of starting again the next day or the next time. I think that's the default state. I think you don't have to relearn how to tie your shoes every day. That, has some, that is something that – and I'm not, I'm not saying that as some kind of reductive example. I'm just giving that as an example of something where you're not burning cycles on that anymore. You don't have to read the directions for how to use your coffee maker every day or your new Breville toaster oven or whatever. Like you get good enough at that. What the, the, the thing that I'm very poorly trying to tie together are, are a few concepts. The, I, what, I, what I wanted to bring up in those, those links was not so much to specifically talk about Buddhism, but to talk about the kind of self-forgiveness that you give when you start deciding who you're going to be 
right? Iron Giant. Like you're the one who's going to make the choice. You're not going to let the world tell you, well, you were, there was that one day when you weren't Superman. So from now on, you're only a gun forever. And that is the kind of courage and tolerance that I think makes you into a, like an above average human is saying, you know what, any, no matter what anybody calls me, even if they're right, it's not going to change who I am and what I do. And, and so what starts out as being this like reluctance to get back into your writing or get back into your practice, to get back into your whatever it is. That I, we need more examples to always rely on. But, but, but the thing is, you're the animus for all of those. And just the fact that somebody went, oh, you're not a writer. You didn't write yesterday. Even if that's your own voice, you have to stop listening to that voice. So what I liked in that All in Wants thing, I love that audio file that we linked to. I thought it was – did you get a chance to listen to it? Yes. And uh, boy, somebody posted like his whole book. Yeah. I don't know if that's is that legal? That. Well, what's amazing to me is that book, which is one of his books, is just him talking, and somebody typed it up. I got to look into that. That's that's pretty that's pretty good. But he's he's a good isn't he good he's a pretty good uh, speaker, huh? He was great. I mean, there. I want to hear more about why you say that he drank himself to death. Oh, it's not. It's not. I don't know if he drank himself to death. I know he had a lot of health problems that le- that led to that, and, and so certainly that. I guess that automatic. So again, now what? So that means he was a bad Buddhist, right? <laughs> I mean, in in one point of view. Oh, look, that guy's in no position to give the advice because obviously he's imperfect. Um, which is the kind of thing I used to believe when I was twenty five, and the kind of thing I just shake my head at now that I'm in my forties. Because you see, I've said before that, you know, in some ways parenthood is about learning to become the kind of hypocrite you can live with because you're doing all kinds of hypocritical stuff all the time. And I, I, A, I don't want to sound defensive because I'm really – I don't feel defensive about this. But, but B, I, I want to impart upon you my own belief that this obsession with whether we're perfect or not is killing us. Mm. It's killing us from the inside out. And our own what, – what makes it so caustic in, 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 at scale is that our own gnawing sense of poor self-worth and the fact that we're not always the one we want to be, we're often the zero we don't want to be, makes us look at everybody else and go, screw you, you didn't do it either. Now you have to come down to my level where everything's bad. And I think that's a terrible way to have to conduct your life. And, and so what I liked about that, and the, the, I'm specifically talking about, if you go and go to the, if you guys are uh, on the page for 5x5.tv slash B2W slash 21. Right you'll see a link to a very long thing called uh, Philosophies of Asia. And uh, the, it links to the ID, jump straight down to Intro to Buddhism. Just search for the word, I want to say liquor maybe, or booze, search for booze. And I just like what he said because he does laugh about it when he says it. And he, and, but he's talking about the precept around, I think it's right action, like he said. But he's basically saying that, well, you know, that I may not be able to extinguish desire, but I'm going to extinguish as much desire as I can without making that the overriding desire. That's the middle way, right? And I don't know if that's perfect Buddhism, but that's fucking fantastic Merlin. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> or uh, Jim, rather. I-, I, think that's, I think that's really, really good. That middle way, and it doesn't, it doesn't even mean everything in moderation, including moderation. I don't mean that. I mean that, that n- nobody but you cares as much about how bad you are at stuff whether that's your Buddhism or your writing or your running or your tacos or whatever it is. And that once you've forgiven yourself of that, you know that there's always today. Now, I'm not saying there's always tomorrow. There will be a tomorrow, but that tomorrow is really just a today that you're avoiding. If you keep saying tomorrow, it's always going to be tomorrow. It's always today. Like no matter how much you've sucked in the past, you can write today. No matter how well you've written in the past, you still have to write today. It's that, that, that's the kind of balance that I think makes this stuff so fascinating and fearful and harrowing. 
but ultimately also so freeing in its way, is that every day is a new day, whether you like it or not. I don't know if that's inspiring. I hope it's not, but it's, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> so anyway, I, I also want to, I do want to argue with you about what I'm getting wrong about the practice part. That, that could be this episode or another, but that's what I wanted to get at is, you guys, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself and remember that today's today. You only get so many of these. Like today, it's a beautiful day here. The sun is out. It's gorgeous. Uh, you know, the, the, the guy drinking half and half on the corners, singing Stardust, it's a good day. And he's, <laughs> he's, he's laughing a lot too, so that's nice. He's got a tan. And you got today. That's it, you know? And, and I, you know what, Dan? I think part of this has got to be part of getting older, don't you think? I, I know this is not sage stuff, but I do think you're easier on yourself about this stuff than you are when you're, say, 14. Oh, God, yeah. When you're, well, you're perfect when you're 14. You know everything. I know my focus has changed. I thought about this as I was literally sprinting to the office. You're you a Star Wars kid, right? Yeah. So like until, not, until well, not the Star Wars kid. Let's be clear. <laughs> Poor guy. Good, good he's a lawyer now. What? They have lawyers in Canada? Yeah, he's a lawyer. He's all, they put uh, a U in it. It's a lawyer. All grown up. Huh. I got an umlaut called diuresis. I had bad diuresis the other night. <laughs> Two, two big dots. So what, I, a, what about Star Wars kids? This doesn't derail. Because you're a lot older than me. Oh, God. If I weren't so feeble, I would be really <laughs> angry right now. Oh, Jesus. All right. Here's the thing. I don't know. Here's the thing. When I was, uh, I saw Star Wars. Uh, sec- maybe the second week was, I was June. It was like the first week of June, 1977. I was 10 years old. And... It's weird because it ended quickly. It, somewhere around Empire Strikes Back, I became way less into it as I moved and went to military school and moved to Florida and half my brain fell out somewhere around Lakeland. But, <laughs> but, but I'm telling you for two years, to, to, to paraphrase, Robert, Robert Lowell has this wonderful line in Life Studies where he talks about how he was into toy soldiers and everyone was a cipher for toy soldiers. All he really cared about was whether he could get more toy soldiers as a result of everything. <laughs> Do you remember this phase where you're like, all I really care about, in my case, was Star Wars. The Star Wars, everything. I had it all. I had the Miko 7-inch. I had the, I had the really, really, really insanely crappy Death Star. I had it all. By the way, I did cross the Rubicon. I l- finally let my kid play with the be lightsabered figures. So now I'm, I'm efficient. If you think I'm not a Buddhist, try, try not being a Buddhist and then letting your kids play with your 1977 Darth Vader, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Luke Skywalker with the intact. Oh, that you just slide out? Yeah, they don't, yeah, but they'll be gone by this afternoon. They'll be gone. <laughs> don't tell me I'm not a Buddhist. <laughs> but it was all I cared about. And then until I was like 14, 15, 16, and finally it was all about girls. Everything was about girls. It had to be girls. And then after that's about money. You got to money. You got to make money. You got to make money. And I think when you turn 40, it becomes bathrooms. Everything's about bathrooms. That's what I've decided. And I, I thought of that because I was sprinting, literally sprinting. You get like two minutes. Once, where do you turn 40, Dan Benjamin? You're oh. going to go from Star Wars to bathrooms. I've got, I've got years to go. I got spreadsheets. I got maps. I got tricks. I got tricks for using public restrooms. I'll tell you next episode. Oh, I have I'd... a trick too. I just don't use them ever. Are you kidding me? Nope. That's one way my, my kid and I differ. I could do it anywhere. If yeah. I, I mean, are you talking number two? Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk numbers? Not really. Oh, I, I'll bust Tinky on the baseball field. I'll drop a deuce during cocoon. Boom. Oh, you name it. Fred Astaire. Boom. Jessica Tandy. Look the other way, sweetheart. Boom. <laughs> Is this what people tune in for? Do you think? Hmm. Nothing. I don't know. Now, number three, number three, I like to have a little bit of privacy. Okay. But not a lot. Sometimes I'll do it like with the dry cleaner when she wears that top. I don't actually have dry cleaning. Cut all that out, Jim. 
Um, why don't you take it wherever you want? You know what? I didn't mean to be inspirational, but God damn it, that makes me so frustrated sometimes that I do it to myself. I see myself implicitly doing it to others, but I just feel like, especially on the web, when you look at the web and you inhale the web all the time, there's just all of this stuff about brand and consistency. And, you know, oh, you said this one thing. That, and I, again, now I'm not, I'm not talking about myself here. I, I happen to be included in this, but so are you. Everybody is. Like, oh, you said this one thing this time and then that t- t- thing that time. And we act like, you know, Heraclitus never existed. It's never the same river, guys. Like, everything changes, right? In, in the same way that if Apple decided that my, that uh, what? If Apple decided that... Uh, to shut down mobile me? <laughs> don't get me started. No, but like, well, we've talked about this before, but like, what if Apple got so dug in with thinking that Windows was their competitor that they kept making things to quote unquote catch up with Windows? I'm not to get all Apple-y, right? But I mean, the thing is, your competitors if in business change all the time. And just because you've gotten good at fighting this one kind of battle doesn't mean that, you know, you might just be punching a wall at that point. Everything changes. Seriously, guys, read Heraclitus. It's really good. Parmenides, not so into it. But Heraclitus, he's the guy who said that everything has changed. It's a precursor to a lot of the most interesting stuff in Western philosophy. I don't think you would have had a Hegel without Heraclitus. And it's just about this notion that everything is a river. You never look into the same river twice. And, I, and uh, yeah, that's a weirdly Eastern thing in a lot of ways. And I think it's true here. Like as soon as we start seeing ourselves as this frozen lake of perfection, that's when we're screwed because that sun's always going to melt us back down in a big, into a big bunch of sludge by the end of the spring, you know. <sighs> you should talk for a while, Dan. Well, I like where you're going with this. I know. We should start over. All right. How's your week? Hey, man, pretty good. What's up? I think you're thinking of Heraclitus. <laughs> uh why did I go to college, Dan? I should have gone to cash register school. So here, here's where I think you're going with this. Yeah, I'm listening. Every day, or as you say, everything is a river. And this kind of goes back to the Buddhist concept of impermanence, is that what we try to do in general here in, in, in the world is we try to create permanent happiness out of things that are impermanent. Well, if I just have that new CD, I'll, I'll be happy when I have that. That's all I need. That's all I need. I, you know what? I really don't need much. I just, you know, I just need this, this, this one thing, you know, the, the Steve Martin shtick at the end of the, the jerk where he's leaving the house. <laughs> oh, just, my, fa- my favorite chair. My favorite chair. It's that kind of thing is that those things and, and really trying to even just trying to create conditions of happiness uh, out of out of things that will end that are guaranteed to end well i'm i'm in this great marriage i love my spouse and uh happily ever after well that that's not true because one of you is going to die mm-hmm. uh so then the other person will be not happy probably anymore after that happens and you know create and and so that's really at the heart and people often think of buddhism as like a like a downer, like it's, oh, they, right. they say life is suffering. Well, that, that's an, a misquote, first of all. But second of all, it's actually a, a quest for happiness, but it's a quest for happiness that, that, that doesn't fade away, it's something that's, not, that's, that's permanent, not based on, on things that are impermanent or fabrications. So, you know, looking at that, that constant state of impermanence, tell me, if, if you embrace that, if you embrace the concept of uh, everything is a river, that everything is changing, then... It, it actually becomes a lot easier. You don't, you don't see things as being forever mm-hmm. or you don't try to make them forever and you can try to accept that, that they won't be forever, even down to the to minute by minute 
type thing. So when you're you're starting something new, or you're trying to continue something, or you're trying to look at something as, uh, you know, as as the the beginning or the middle of the end, every it's always the beginning. It's always the beginning at any given moment. I, yeah, I, I mean, if I were going to be really fruity, I'd say actually everything's always the middle. Because it's it already began somewhere in a way. I mean, this is I think Steve Hagen talked about this in his book. Is like when you talk try to talk about the ego and the who you are. Well, who are you? When did you start? Did you start when you when you popped out of your mom's woo woo, or did you start when you were an egg, or did you start when you were just in, still somewhere deep inside cells inside Napoleon's sneeze or whatever? Like you were you you've always <laughs> been something, and even after your you know. Uh, you know, your earth and ant food or whatever, like you'll still be in some ways. And that's, that's sounds silly, but uh, that's the extreme end of something that I think is very practical, which is to say there's not really that many clear ends and beginnings to anything. So people I get to hung we, up on this though, right? We, they absolutely get, no, no, I'm not disagreeing. One iota, and I'll take it a step further and say it is practically bred into us to see that uh, in the way that you're talking about, the sad way of saying like, oh, everything's this... It is this. And, and gosh, think about a million angles on this, Dan. Oh, have you arrived? Like, are you getting what you deserve for where you perceive you are? All that stuff that, you know, has that accumulative quality of making you feel, feel you're clinging more and more. It's like, in the, like I said in that one example, I, I think I linked to this and mentioned this to you. In another one of his talks, he talks about, uh, it's mostly just aphorisms. I'm sorry, um, Alan Watts. He's mostly speaking in kind of short aphorisms. But one of the things he says is, you know, you can imagine that you're falling off a precipice. This is life. You're falling off a precipice. But then you see this, this stone falling next to you at approximately the same speed. And so you cling to it because you're pretty sure that's the thing that will keep you safe. You know, but you and the stone are going to have the same fate no matter what. It's just going to hurt you more. You're not, that clinging is not helping you. You're right. falling no matter what. And that does sound dire to a lot of people, but it's also really weirdly freeing. And if you want to make this really practical, bring it back to cognitive behavioral therapy, right? We talked about this very specifically on the phone the other day. It's like, boy, if there, you, could, you could have A, something happen somewhere in the world, C, you feel a certain way, and B, maybe completely made up. You may have completely made B up. And until you're willing to accept that impermanence, that's a very difficult thing to get your head around. Now, I'm not saying I'm great at it. I certainly, I struggle with it as much as anybody. But the the other thing that Alan Watts said in the thing uh, that I just linked to the the Buddhism thing that that I liked, um, and this may be wrong. This may not be canonical Buddhism, but it sure should be canonical Merlin Man. I really like this. Is he said it doesn't mean that you can't have fun. It doesn't mean you can't eat food. It doesn't mean you can't like you know dunk in your lady friend. It just means that you can't cling to that as the thing that's going to save you. You can't, you can't have that be the reason. I'm putting this poorly. These are not my words. But I, I love that idea of saying, like, it doesn't mean that you have to, you have to be a monk to be a good person. But it, but it means that doing non-monk stuff may not be the path to making you feel whole. And that's, to me, where the ethical part becomes really important. Like you said, I mean, if you, you want to minimize harm, but as you pointed out, a lot of people, in the, here comes the email, but in a lot of countries, they do eat a lot of meat in the countries that do Theravada um, practice in particular, sure. right? Yeah. Well, anyway, the, the point being that, you know, you want to do everything Tibet, you, too. you want to do everything that you can to follow whatever that path is for you. For a lot of people, it's something called Buddhism, but you want to do everything you can. But you know what? Just because you couldn't get it this time doesn't mean you can't get it next time. And, and I think the, the ninja trip trick here, the really the, the, you know, 10th level paladin stuff here is to get to where you accept the times that you didn't get it right. Sort of like you said last time that you get faster at realizing the times you didn't get it right. But you also have to be forgiving of yourself. Do you want to be that guy who's like the, uh, you know, 
the all-American running back who's punching the goalpost because he, you know, didn't get into the football goal area, you know, <laughs> it makes you a bad sportsman <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't make you a better player. It just makes you, you know, kind of a jerk. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I feel like it might be useful to try to figure, talk about some practical applications of these things, practical examples and practical applications. So Merlin, you know, we got a new sponsor for this show. I'm very excited about this one. Have you heard of a, there's a little company, uh, I think they're out of New York huh. called Squarespace. Yes, Dan. I know Squarespace because I, I literally called them. I called them and begged them to sponsor. Oh, you, so you're responsible. For I'm that. responsible for this. If you get any <laughs> money out of it, I don't know if they're going to pay you or not, but I begged them because, uh, Dan, have you ever, have you ever done any programming at all? Do you know how to make websites? Have you ever done that at all? My mom is teaching me. Okay. That's good. Using the front page. <laughs> yeah. On uh, an IE, IE five is the new okay. way Here's we test this. Don't change the code by hand. That screws everything. If it's a .asp, don't change that. Don't change that to like ASQ or something. That's a mess. Here's the thing. I've been doing this stuff since 1995. I used to make an entire set. I made an entire living based on knowing what a break tag is. That's basically how I earned a living for five years. <laughs> wow. Because nobody else knew what it meant. That was, well, it was Florida. It was simple times. You know, you had Actually, that, that's crank. still the case for Florida. <laughs> and they still don't, they still don't uh, escape those, which no. is, you know. That, that makes Mark Pilgrim very angry. Here, but I'm here to tell you, like, I am so sick of websites. I'm tired of thinking about websites. And, uh, and one day I begged Squarespace for an account, and I got one, and I've never looked back. And now I want everything to be on Squarespace because it's so easy to use. And um, I, 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 what I love about it, I mean, is like on day zero, you have a pretty website. It's, it can suck down your stuff from other blog engines super easily. Are you ready for this magic? It maintains all of the URLs without all that 301 HT access magic. Really? I spent, oh no, dude, when I moved 43 folders to a different, from where it was originally to something else, it took me three months of manually adding 301s to a HT access to make it work. Every time I'd catch one, I'd have to add it to a list. It blows my mind that that works. Um, I guess I, uh, I just love these guys, and I'm really glad they're sponsoring the show. And I, you, I genuinely beg them to be on our sponsor because I want you guys to try Squarespace. It is awesome, and I use it, and I'm going to use it more and more. And, and I'll, t- I'll tell you, not to interrupt you because you're no, the tirade I, I'm you're on is really good. I'm imbued. you got a tirade. I don't have a tirade. You're the one with the tirade, Dan Benjamin. It's your show. The it's your part, show, Dan Benjamin. The part of this that depresses me is that they were completely unwilling to do anything for the listeners. Oh, is that what they told you? Huh. No, I'm just I'm going by a hunch. I just have a feeling. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, Dan, would it surprise you if I were to tell you that they actually would love to do something for our listeners? You sound like an, an infomercial aunt that would be on late, late at night. Dan, would it surprise you at all to know that you could have a beautiful website, a high quality website, <laughs> blog, or online portfolio? 30% off for your first three months with Squarespace. And seriously, go in and buy the Pope account. That's what I've got. I don't think they call it that. But if you get so the wait, trick So wait, 30% out, off, you said. 30% off. The code that you have to use, I believe, is back to work six, numeral six. So back to work, one word, and six. So B-A-C-K-T-O-W-O-R-K, six. <laughs> it's like that old McSweeney's thing about the worst email addresses ever. But uh, back to work six, one word. Well, it's in show notes. There's a link there. Link on it. Go to it. But here's the neat thing, and I'm, this is not in the things that they sent us to say. Actually, none of this is in what they sent us to say. But uh, the uh, I also will tell you that I know they have fairly recently added a bunch of um, pretty cool stuff to the free account too. If you just want to test drive it, but but 
obviously uh, buy the most expensive one they have because it's really cool. I've got that. And, and the other thing that's not in the notes that they told us to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, is the sites can be really, really pretty. Like the templates they've got are not dumb looking. They are really nice. <laughs> they are really nice templates. And you can go to their gallery and check it out. I'm talking way too long. Please go to Squarespace. You can go to squarespace.com slash back to work. That helps us a lot because that lets Squarespace know that all this blathering is, is doing some good. And 30% off your first three months, it is back to work six is the code that you use. Uh, and I really highly recommend them. They're, 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 they're good people and their stuff doesn't break, which is really, really nice. So if you get fireballed, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to go down. Does that work for you, Dan Benjamin? Works for me. Works for you. Thank you, Squarespace. Thank you, Squarespace. Gosh, I'm so glad we got them as sponsors. That's the best. Are you really? I, I have been trying to figure out a way to do something with them forever because I love – should we mention who they are? Well, so this will all be edited out, so. We hope so. Jim gets busy. He doesn't always notice. I ask for pay for very uh, people don't understand that Dan. People don't understand that Dan, Dan, or that uh, that that Jim's Jim's not just sitting next to you like uh, salacious uh, B. Crumb. My, by the way, my daughter knows the name of the dog rat in uh, in Jedi Return of the Jedi. So I think it's time we dial it back a little bit. Now I have to be Jabba, and she has to be salacious Crumb. Can you believe George Lucas thought to give a name to that stupid creature? You know, you know, like the Ewoks have names. You know yeah. this? But they're Isn't actually a tribe of creatures. They're, they're really, they're mean. They, they beat the crap out of the stormtroopers. My son does not like the Ewoks. <sighs> My and I, I feel like it's a huge parenting win because I didn't influence that at all. She loves the Ewoks. She loves, there's one scene when C-3PO's wheelchair is flying around with the force. And one of the little Ewoks goes, ee! And tucks his head in the nest. And we had to act that out 35 times yesterday. Mm. 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 Never gets boring. A lot of questions about force ghosts. And I had to go look it up. You know what? I love looking things up. I don't love looking things up on Wikipedia. That just there's a lot of detail, Dan. There's a lot of detail about go go look up Sarlax. You want to know about Sarlax? Go look up Sarlax. I thought Sarlax would be like two paragraphs about yeah, this. It's, it's pages and pages, and it talks about how Boba Fett was in there, and oh, you, you get details on on the whole in, intestinal system. They've got extra stomachs where they can hide you while they're working on other people for the thousand years they're digesting. Yeah. No, it's in there. There's diagrams, Dan. We should talk more. We should have a daily call. That'd be great. What if we did a morning zoo show? Would you be into that? That'd be so cool. What would we call it? Mm-hmm. Let me think about it. All right. Nerds? And get, let the nerds work on it. So nerds, if, uh, if uh, Dan and I had a, had a really crappy uh, morning zoo show, what would it be called? I think it'd be called The Monkey Cage. Oh, I like that. Or maybe uh, Professor Sexbot and the other one. <sighs> you were saying that there might be a way that people Practical. could apply this stuff practically. Sure. It's a Wikipedia. It's a, it's one of those Wikia sites. They got one for Thomas the Train. I think I think I think that what I'm trying to draw out of this is a lesson that I need all the time. So I'm going to assume because I'm self-involved that you might need it too. Which is that regardless of how good you are at what you are, there's probably something where you get a little frustrated with yourself if you're really honest. And I think one reason we stay frustrated about stuff, and the reason that we allow procrastination to exist in our life for more than half a second, is. Yes, certainly. A feeling of being overwhelmed by stuff. But also a feeling that we're kind of not allowed to be good at it because we weren't good at, good at it before. And a specific example straight out of Getting Things Done, uh, we talked before about why in, in David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, you, you, you don't put stuff on your calendar that isn't an actual thing. In other words, if you, you know, like I'm meeting a guy at the Hyatt. Don't, don't be creepy. On Thursday. <laughs> why did I say that? And uh, in the afternoon, the late afternoon. 
And uh, I wrote that on my calendar because if I go there and that dude's there and, and I, if I don't go there and that dude's there, like he's going to be bummed. I said I'd be there. What I don't put on my calendar is sharpen pencils for seven minutes at 8 a.m. Because that doesn't need to happen for seven minutes at 8 a.m. It might happen for two minutes, and it certainly doesn't need to be at 8 a.m. What does that mean? He calls that hard landscape. That means everything that on your calendar is stuff that has to be done on that day. You can trust your calendar as a place. Do, do, do you follow that concept? Absolutely. Media? And that's something that uh, – it's very hard to get out of that habit. But you told me – was it early on in this show that you, you said you cleared out your thing and you deleted you know, 100, projects, 100 yeah. projects? And people are like, how, how can you delete that? And then you went on to define a project as like one thing. Anything, anything with more than one action. With more than one action. And, and, and that, I think, for a lot of people here, for me anyway, that was like, whoa, I need to really reevaluate how I well, think about to, spending to, my if time. If you had to sum up why, the, why on the first day GTD can really change your game, it, it comes down to this, that no matter how many projects you have, if you've really thought through all of them, and let's be honest, once you've thought through them, you will get rid of a lot of them because they're dumb and you know you're never going to do them. You'll get that eventually. It's okay. Take your time. But whatever project you do continue to have on your plate, you have one and usually only one next action for each one. Next physical action. A physical action. Something you can actually write as a physical task that takes a certain amount of time in the universe. For example, brainstorm is not a great way to put that. You know, uh, brainstorm ideas. Well, how about... Um, write seven bullets on ideas for topics for S1E22. That's a pretty specific thing to do that I can see in the world. Um, and that that's what makes GTD so great. I think one of the things is you say, like, for every project I've taken on, for every outcome I want to see in the world, I know what the next physical thing I have to do is to get one of those in motion. If I'm waiting for somebody else to do something else, that's called a waiting on. Anyway, not to make, not to make this an ad for GTD, but that's what makes it so great. Now, Why don't now, you marry him if you love him so much? Mm, I've asked. Catherine won't let me. I think she's not into that. Hi, Catherine. And uh, here's the thing. Uh, the calendar. Once you start putting stuff on your calendar and then you don't do it, you're breaking deals with yourself. And that's a big theme in GTD is trying not to break deals with yourself. You can say whatever you're going to want. You can write down whatever you want. But like one reason you suck is because you keep not doing stuff you thought you were going to do. And that's a muscle. You're building, what do we call it last time, the muscle of failure? Like you're, the muscle that you're exercising is the one that proves you're not particularly good at it. And the more you hear that outside output, outside input about how you're, you know, you're crummy at this, and then you internalize that, the more you're going to keep making deals you know you can't keep. You know, instead of saying, like, there's one thing I'm going to do today. This is a, a classic, you know, uh, douchebag productivity blog thing, but it's true. Like, try having one thing you're going to do today. And then if you get that done, you know what? Do something else. But if you do have a list of 50 things on it, and it's the same 50 things today as it is yesterday and the day before and the day before, well, then I, I'm not persuaded that you uh, don't need the do one thing today thing. Because the first step in some ways is to start, is to stop breaking deals with yourself. So when you put something on your calendar and you're saying, I'm going to work on my novel for these 16 solid days and I'll sleep two hours a night and I'll order pizza. Well, let's call you in 17 days and see how that went. Because for most of us, that's just another, another deal we've broken with ourselves. Well, when you stop making those deals that you know you're going to break, you're also giving yourself permission to get back on the path. You know what I mean? It, again, it is a certain kind of clarity. But the path is always there waiting for you, you know? And I, I, I'm, I may be an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic's anonymous alcoholic uh, in the capital A's term. I do, do like to drink. But, you know, somebody who's, who's an alcoholic uh, or has a, has a drug problem or any kind of an addiction problem, you know, what do they say? Uh, one day at a time, right? And, and I think that's not a bad way to think about everything. I'm just sober today or I'm just, 
you know? I'm just not sucky today. And if I am sucky today, I got another chance to be not sucky tomorrow. I defy you to show me somebody who's been able <laughs> to get better at that by continually sucking every day, but then just imagining it'll get better tomorrow. It's got, well, someday has got to be today. And I think giving yourself permission to get back on that path is not a bad way. You know, the, the stuff about the glass and the water and the coffee maker and all that, I think that stuff is crazy valuable. But that is a 202 level tip. The 101 level tip is going like, I'm just ready to start learning more about what this water means. Whether that's, whether that's your, your, your practice or your... Dan, can we just have a whole episode where we come up with new examples? I like it. I like the analogies. Yeah. I love the glass of water one. I also like the idea that every glass is temporarily unbroken. That was a, that was a little smack on the head moment for me. Most glasses that you have in your house will be broken for eternity. Really, in the grand scheme of things, on like a, you know, Brian Eno 10,000-year scale, like most, most of the stuff in your house is, is going to go to a goodwill when you die. And it'll, some people will buy it. They'll put it in their crappy dorm room. Most of your, your you know, Arby's jelly uh, glasses of, you know, Cool Cat or whatever will be broken. That gla- enjoy it now because that glass is going to break. That's not, a, that's not fatalistic. It's just how life works, you know? That, that, that flannel shirt of mine, I finally had to just retire it. It was just... Oh, the, one, the one that you were talking about a couple episodes back when the homeless Yeah, guy. My, my grunge chemise. <laughs> it's, man, I, I enjoyed Lucky Shirt, but now I have to just enjoy the fact that I enjoyed Lucky Shirt. He's gone now. He's gone. You know, and as long as we always find a way to remember him. Something, something, Star Trek. I don't know. It's practical stuff. Um, so maybe, maybe step one in some ways is to go a little easier on yourself. I know I'm hard on you, but I don't know you. I'm just this guy on your computer. I mean, actually, yeah, I do know you. You look good today. I like your hair. But, but I, w- I would say go easy on yourself and, and, and say that even if I'm not perfect at this, even if I'm not you know, drug-free and alcohol-free today, even if I am obsessing over a glass today or yesterday, <laughs> I can always restart today or tomorrow. But you know, the reason I keep flubbing up on that is a really important point, which is that all of those accumulated tomorrows and all those, an- all those accumulated yesterdays and all those anticipated tomorrows don't do a lot for us. There's not much about your history and your record that's going to make you good today, right? Like I say, Tiger Woods doesn't stop practicing. You know, when he goes to the Masters, he starts practicing more. As far as your future, well, I wouldn't count on the future as anything that's going to make you great at what you do. It's, it's really going to be doing that little bit every day. Um, how can we make that really super specific and practical? Dan Benjamin? I think that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one point that's hard to get away from, though, uh, the, uh, the thinking versus the doing. We talk about that a lot, though, so we should probably skip that. But um, What if we have new listeners tuning in right now for the first time? You saw what I said on that thread, you know? Every day somebody's born has never seen The Wire. Like me? I've never seen it. Well, I watched one part of it. It was too violent for me. Mm-hmm. I'm reformed. I'm, I'm not The Wire guy anymore, so I'm not doing that anymore. But you should really watch it. You know The Wire guy. You've met The Wire guy, right? No. Oh, my God. You, got, you haven't seen The Wire? No. You, you recall? <laughs> you, 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 that's me. That's, that's been me for five years. No, listen, seriously, literally. I want you to literally sit down. I'm going to hand you these, these five DVDs or 14 DVDs or whatever. Stop everything you're doing. Get a portal it and some Fritos. I want you to sit down. You're going to watch this thing all the way through. Now, here's the thing. You watch it all the way through, and you're not going to get start back over. You've got to watch it all, the, all five seasons all the way through three times. I've done it four times. When my lady, uh, when my lady was, uh, had the bun in the oven, we, we, we went around the loop three times. It's that good. And you go back and you watch S1E1 and you see things each time you watch it that you didn't see the first time. 
Last time I'll say it, there is nothing short of possibly the Godfather 2. There is nothing in the universe that will reward your careful attention televisually, reward your 100% attention as well as The Wire. It's desperately satisfying on every level. Because it's about broken stuff. And it's about who you're beholden to. Over. The what do you like on TV, Dan? You like, you like that show with the lady from the Jackson 5, right? You mean The Bachelorette? Yeah. Is that the one? That's the one that got the, the rose and Donald Trump? No, I, I think the, the Midler was the one in the rose. Is that right? The last rose of Cairo? No, 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 no. I think you're thinking of Diane Keaton. She's the one who did... Uh, wait, I'm confused. Now, Barry Manilow wrote the McDonald's jingle. You deserve a break today. He did? I thought that the new thing was uh, that smile thing, that uh, where the logo smiles at you. That's Amazon. I think that's Amazon. Amazon. But no, it, it's, not, it's not Diane Keaton in, in that movie. It's Diane Keaton in As Good As It Gets. Okay. And that's the one with the lobsters. Yeah, where they're trying to cook them and they throw them in the pot and then mm-hmm. uh, Greg Kinnear shows up. Let me stop you there, Dan. Should we button this up? Yeah, we can do that because I got more questions for the after dark. Oh, excellent. Okay. Did we get? Did we do anything here? Here's what I want to leave people. It was very, with. very disjointed. Very disjointed. This is a very disjointed episode. Really? You want to start over? Yes. Okay. Desperately. Good, good week. It's been pretty good. What about you? Yeah. The only way out is through. Actually, I think we were corrected. That what Churchill actually said is not the only way out is through. What he said is, if you're going through hell, keep going. Hmm. Which I like better, and that's what I'm switching to. No. No. Go with the other one. I like the other one better. I mean, you can put that in the footnotes or whatever, but you know. So people, people need to... One thing that I found very useful, mm-hmm. people get very caught up in the overwhelming amount of detail that you can attach and associate to with, with any particular, even small project, using your definition of project, something that takes too much. It becomes so detailed. And I find that people get frozen. We got a couple people who have emailed us asking about what they do when they get frozen. You ever, did you read those? You don't read the email. I, I try what do you to. do when you get frozen? Where you feel like you, you, you literally don't have choices in any direction or where you feel mentally stuck? I think, I think what they were asking about was more the mentally stuck part. Like they feel like perhaps right. there's, there's too many options or they become, for whatever reason, there's too many options, they're too intimidated, they, they're stricken with uh, fear, they're uh, right. overwhelmed with uh, the in, inability to make a decision and pick a direction or, or too many priorities, that so, kind yeah, of thing. So that's a, a great question. I mean, there's three ways to address that. Um, one of which is intellectual, which is to use things like tools. You can use, I've got an iPhone app that helps me make decisions. <laughs> it's one of those things where you can say what the factors are you care about, and it helps you decide. I think it's called Decision Maker or something like that. There's all kinds of uh, paper tools you can use. You can do SWOT analysis. You can do all kinds of stuff. You can Google all this. There's all kinds of things that can help you think your way out of that. Um, and I think that's the third most useful option. Uh, the, the second most useful option is to just get started. I mean, and, and unless it really is something like you, something that involves a broken authentication server, like really just get started. Like how high are the stakes for you getting this dead wrong? Just try something. And that I know I'm always falling back on just write a little bit, but whatever it is, like if you've got a, the thing is you're not going to think, think your way out of it. You've got, you've got to do your way out of it. I really, I really think that. So if you feel really, really, really stuck, seriously, stop I thinking love, about it. I love that. Do your way out of it. Mm. That's good stuff. Kind of cheesy. I'm going to jot that down. Okay. Do you, have, do you have a pencil? Yeah. Is that in a box? You got your pencil in a box? Or you, got a, you got a pencil there? 
Remind me for the after dark to tell the story about the Japanese kid at the bus stop. Okay, tell the Japanese. Well, we're not done yet. Third option is to delete the project because you're never going to do anything good with it. I love that. Yep. And you, or, once in a while, and you say, here's, "Here's you." What? But there's a huh? Okay, then what's what's hard about it? I didn't what's say hard? that. I didn't say that. No, no, no. I was in person. Here's you, Marlon. My wife loves this. She likes that. I, oh, she my, loves my wife. It. My wife hates it. She says she doesn't listen to the show. I make her listen to parts like Steely Dan, and she she thinks it sounds just like my Gruber, which was very frustrating to me. I got to work on my Gruber. I got a good bar Gruber. I do not have a good talk the talk show Gruber. I got to work on that. Let's button this up. I don't know. All right, Merlin. We'll see you next week. Sorry if this was scattered. No, I'm sorry. Are you are you seriously going to button this up? Yeah, we're done. Okay, I love you. Love you too. You have been listening to Back to Work, a weekly internet broadcast about making great stuff. Brought to you every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Mighty 5 by 5 Network. Back to Work is co-hosted by your internet pals, Dan Benjamin and Merlin Mann. That second one is me. Dan already left. Back to Work is produced by Dan and edited by Jim Metzendorf, and it's powered by the 5 by 5 Achievers proud we are of all of them our theme music is plika plika written and performed by merlin's old band bacon ray merlin played bass in the style of lou barlow's sebado if you enjoy back to work please spread the word tell your friends tell your imaginary friends tell your kitties and if you really really like the show please leave us a nice review on the itunes store it does help us quite a lot and frankly it well it makes me hate myself just a little less just for a while If you work at a cool company or if you make something awesome, you can learn more about sponsoring Back to Work by visiting 5x5.tv slash advertise. Dan and I love buying food for our children, expensive paleo food in Dan's case, while I mostly feed my kid crap from a machine. Finally, thanks most of all to you in particular for listening, for hanging out in the chat room, and for writing to Dan and me to say hi. We do really appreciate it. You are a huge nerd, and we love you so much. We'll see you next week on Back to Work.